Missed the show? No problem. On point and on the podcast, families of those murdered on Flight 752 demand that Iran be brought into an international court to be held accountable for the 176 people they killed. We will talk with a father and husband who is fighting for justice. Two Michaels go on trial. They'll get no consular support, no foreign observers, and not even a shown evidence of what they are accused of. What can Canada do? We can actually do a lot. And a homegrown vaccine solution that sounds great, but we had to invest in it a whole lot sooner in order to use it now when we need it. Let's get talking. What's your point? You just don't ever get to call. Am I getting through to you? That's the point. Do you understand? There is a point. That point where enough is enough. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. Listening. We can't avoid it. Unfortunately, I hate to say it. I hate these lockdowns as much as everybody else. I don't know what to do else. There's no possibility. We need a few weeks more time uh, regarding vaccines so, so that they, they can kick in. But one thing, you know, what is what is really important to realize is the Golden Horseshoe is in a completely different situation than luckily for the rest of the province, the rest of the province. You no, know? So we have much more trouble here. So we need to react here in the Golden Horseshoe now. Yeah, it's never a few short weeks. It won't be the last time because our experts, they're determined to crush the masses to protect the few. And here we go again. And uh, looks like we are leaning into more restrictions, what those might be. Who knows? But I would just ask these experts, rip off the Band-Aid already, will you? I mean, just do it. Because they're pulling the Band-Aid off so slowly, the pain is way, way worse than I think it needs to be. Not to mention... Very confusing. I don't know what's going on region to region, what's closed, what's open, what we can do, what we can't do. I just know that when you look at Ontario, we are such an outlier in this country. I mean, in the world, specifically the Toronto GTHA regions that have suffered the longest, the toughest shutdown measures than any other country in the world. I mean, we just keep shutting more things down while everyone else is opening things up. But why are we still facing such blunt measures is just beyond me, especially now. And think about this. The whole reason for the lockdowns and all these measures was to protect the most vulnerable in long-term care. Well, guess what? They're vaccinated. And so why are we going to have to look at more draconian shutdowns? But the premier, you know, he was asked today pretty directly, why do we keep using measures that aren't working and do such widespread damage? I've heard some comments out there that, you know, some medical officers will lock us down for another year. Um, I'll have to disagree. They're very pragmatic. They understand mental health. They understand, you know, young people have to get out and get some fresh air in, not just young people, but, uh, you know, everyone needs to get out and life has to move forward, but we have to do it cautiously. Look, there's nothing pragmatic about anything Peel or Toronto's medical officers suggest, okay? They have been shown and time and again that they're going to lock us down as long as they can, even if it's not working. And it's all, it, it, we know that it's causing all sorts of other health issues. And the experts claim that they consider this, and yet they don't see it all as a big threat like COVID. They don't see things like suicides, anxiety, mental health issues, or crushed businesses as dangerous as COVID. So that's why it always takes a back seat. And thankfully, we are seeing some pushback. I was glad to read, and I'm liking this guy more and more, York's medical officer of health, who says, no, 
We should not be locking down again. His name, uh, Dr. Kareem, who you've gotten to know. He says we should be avoiding lockdowns and using targeted measures. And I'll bet that most of you, except for the one guy that keeps emailing me incessantly telling me otherwise, is that most people will agree. Let's target the hot zones and not make all the masses pay the price because we are paying a price. And it is mostly those in the private sector. And it certainly is to our kids who are being robbed of a normal childhood and a proper education. And sure, we've got the variants, and that's because we let them in. And we don't have the numbers vaccinated that we need to do. We just didn't get ahead of anything. We never do. And then General Fortin came out today. He says that we should have enough vaccines to get Canadians a first shot by end of June. Not two shots. One. Albeit he made very, very sure only if there are no more interruptions. And we learned late this afternoon that, um, I was reading over the numbers, America's delivered now 100 million shots. 100 million shots. And they believe most Americans will be fully protected by July 4th. It's a staggering number and staggering how quickly they've moved. And uh, when you look at our numbers, we've given less than 4 million shots. We do have vaccines coming. We're begging and borrowing a lot of them. We've taken millions from COVAX, of course, which was meant for the poor nations. And then we've begged the United States to give up some of their supply. And today we learned that the U.S. is expected to send 1.5 million AstraZeneca shots that they haven't approved because they don't need them. And so Canada is likely going to get these. And uh, Premier Ford was told about this today and he was giddy with excitement because we just don't have any. God bless America. They're coming to our rescue. Thank God. I've been bugging Trump. I've been bugging Biden, all of them. They must get sick of Doug Ford asking for help. But our, our greatest uh, partner, our greatest trading partner, our greatest friend in the world, uh, President Biden, thank you. And once I get him, I will call you the champion. But I need to get the delivery first. So, so thank you. And uh, I appreciate it. Uh, we've been waiting. That's what true neighbors do. You, you help each other out in, in a crisis. So we do have to give them back. These are on loan. Um, but Canada is now a nation of beggars, officially. We are just scrounging for table scraps. And we shouldn't be because we should have been easily able to make them here. And I'm not sure if Biden is helping Canada so much as he's trying to help Trudeau so that he can make it look like, hey, I've delivered. And you know what? As long as people are seen to be getting doses, people will buy in. All right, we got a busy show tonight. There are actually a lot of other stories going on that deserve our attention, and we'll get that attention tonight. We're going to learn the fate of Michael Spavor and Michael Kovrig. Uh, Kovrig is going to be tried, um, well, Friday, China, China time, so that could actually be starting any minute now. Uh, Spavor will be tried on Monday. Both men will be convicted without question. And we learned today China's not allowing them consular support. There will be no foreign observers no media. It'll be done privately behind closed doors. They won't even show the Michaels what evidence they have. And that's likely because they don't have any. Because, of course, these are completely made up charges. It's outrageous. It is outrageous what is happening to these men. And a lot of people, you know, say, well, what can we do? We need China. Well, actually, you know what? We don't. Uh, there's a lot we can do. First of all, ban Huawei. Enact the Magnitsky sanctions. Kick the diplomats out of this country. And Trudeau can easily and should shut down the Chinese infrastructure bank. We will talk about all of this. I mean, the notion that we are powerless to China is simply not true. And what else is true is 
five years of cowering and kissing up to China has not done us any good. Certainly not the Michaels. So we're watching this story because, um, you know, we could likely we're going to get bad news on Friday. And um, it's just uh, tragic what's happening to them. We also learned today the uh, final report into the downing of Flate PS752. And uh, we learned nothing. And that's because Iran will likely never have to answer for the murder and killing of 176 people on that flight. Remember, 55 were Canadian, 30 people on that plane were permanent residents. And, and it's not good enough. These families were promised justice, and they want justice. They deserve the justice, and they want this case to be taken into an international court. And so we're going to speak with a man who lost not just his wife, but his young son on that plane. And they promise they are not going away. They want Iran to play, pay. So we'll talk about that. On point, I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio. We believe that the, uh, the final report issued by Iran uh, yesterday is incomplete. It, it raises more questions than it answers. It does provide some basic information about the, uh, uh, the factors that, that led to the military shootdown of PS752, but it, it uh, falls short of answering many of the uh, detailed questions of the underlying factors that caused that. Uh, it, it briefly describes the risk assessment process, uh, but it doesn't really go into the details about uh, why, for example, uh, they allowed aircraft to continue operating, even though there was a threat of a retaliatory strike. That is one of the authors of a final report coming out on the uh, downing of Flight 752. And no one should be surprised to learn that we've learned nothing that we already didn't know. And that is Iran will never answer for their murderous actions of bombing a civilian plane out of the sky back in January 8th of 2020. And that's when they killed 176 people on that flight, 55 were Canadian, 30 permanent residents. And we know that the Iranian Re Revolutionary Guard fired two missiles at that plane just minutes after takeoff. We know that they covered up the crash scene and then withheld the black boxes and obstructed investigators from doing a real, true investigation. So this whole thing has been a farce. No matter how much the Trudeau government demands transparency, those who have lost their kids, their wives, husbands, brothers and sisters and family, it's simply not enough. And so they want this case taken to an international court because they want Iran to be held to account. Shaheen Moghadam joins me now. He lost his wife, Shakiba, and his beautiful, beautiful boys, uh, Rostin, on that flight. He joins us now. Shaheen, thank you for talking with us. Uh, thank you, Alex, uh, to inviting me for this uh, conversation. I take it you're not surprised by the report, but it must anger you. Uh, actually, you know, Alex, uh, in this report, which they published 280 pages, which uh, it's uh, 140 Farsi and 140 in English. So mm -hmm. they published 140 pages of uh, of lies and misleading information. Uh, Islamic regime in in its report blamed the missile station operator and uh, acquitted all the commanders of uh, the IRGC and especially the Ali Khamenei as the commander-in-chief of the Iranian Armed Force, who were directly mm -hmm. responsible for this criminal act. And in this report, they just they say that, and then they continue the systematic lies. There is nothing mm -hmm. new on this report. We, they, whatever they wrote, it's 
previously they mentioned and they talked about it. And nothing new. They didn't mention anything uh, in, in 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 real matter to convince the the the, the international communities. Yeah, one one of their um, and you touched upon it. One of their um, reasons was that a missile uh, launcher had been put in place, but they pointed it by accident in the wrong direction, um, as if that would even be possible. I mean, that would literally be impossible, and for anyone to believe that would be a fool because it's just not. You can't make a mistake like that. But they haven't been held to account, and the families, including you and others. Um, have been left waiting for answers that may never come, certainly not from Iran. Where, what are the next steps for you and the others? Uh, you know, we, uh, we already uh, claim uh, uh, law, law, law suit in the, in the Ontario Supreme Court, and mm-hmm. we are waiting for the judgment uh, maybe in the April. So it could be help. And uh, besides, we have uh, support of the, the, the Canadians, the medias, since the incident happened. And uh, next, we wanted to Canada act. Actually, Canada should just, amongst other things, should consider that the following step could be happened in mass. The Canada should ban the IRGC in, in its, entirely as a terrorist against uh, organization. The IRGC terrorist uh, um, uh, credentials are uh, unquestioned. In fact, Prime Minister Trudeau wanted to ban the IRGC in parliamentary revolution in 2018. Another question is why he has not implemented the resolution he voted for. And right. the, the, the other thing is that Canada must ask its alliance to declare Iran's sky as unsafe until the Islamic regime uh, cooperate with the investigations and Canada and other countries are able to access to all information which needed to find the truth about this shutdown. Do you have faith in the Trudeau government that they will get the answers and the justice? I mean, he stood in your living room and promised you that. Do you still and the other families have faith that that's going to happen? No. That's why we uh, we uh, we established a, a petition, E three zero, I think E three zero eight three. We asking uh, Parliament to vote it for to send. Uh, investigation uh, to uh, Security Council, uh, Security Council. I think this may be help and work. It's it's simply not acceptable that this just gets a pass. I mean, they 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 shot a plane out of the sky and killed 176 people. Uh, 88 of those uh, were Canadian. 80 of those people were, were Canadian. Um, and so for this to become um, a thing that is allowed to stand is not just an affront to you and the others, but it is an affront to this country. And so, um, you know, this government has talked about wanting to normalize relations, but but certainly um, that would not be acceptable. No, you know, Alex, the unfortunate Canadian government uh, with its no action policy put the life of Canadians across the world in danger. The, the Chinese government can take uh, Canadian as hostage with no yeah. consequences. Islamic regime can rape and kill uh, Zahar Kazemi, the Iranian-Canadian journalist, with no consequences. Islamic regime can kill the Canadian uh, environmentalist and did nothing. All this no action by Canada uh, give green light to many tyrannies across, across the world, that life of Canadian world, nothing. And they can do whatever they want to do with no consequences. It is time for Canada to start 
to act and show to world that the life of Canadians are precious. And if they endanger the life of any Canadian, there is a consequences. This chance of uh, the consequences. This this change of approach will only happen by action. In addition, uh, it is time for opposition parties even in, in the parliament to question this uh, pacifism by Canadian government. Uh, the, everything is clear right now. The only thing is, which is not clear is what, can, what, what Canadian government is going to do. This isn't the life you signed up for when you came to this country, but it is very much your life now. And uh, that, that is, that is a, a very bitter pill for you. Actually, the, the, the Canada is a great country. It's, uh, it's a unique nation. Uh, the lovely people, humble, everything is perfect. Uh, it, it's a, we saw it as a dreamland uh, and lots of opportunity for the families, for the kids. Uh, maybe many people know that my son, uh, whenever we ask, what, what are you going to do when you're growing up? Always, he said, I'm going to be a Justin Trudeau. So it's a land of opportunities. So you can see the futures. But now, after you see that the, 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 your government do nothing for, to secure you and for, uh, to, and for the national, national security reasons, uh, you, get, you, know, you feel cold. You feel, you feel alone. Abandoned? Yeah. Abandoned, yes, exactly. Well, we'll stick with you and um, make sure that word gets out. I've, I've looked up the um, the petition. It's on change.org, correct? It's uh, yes. justice for... We, we established a, a, a petition. Uh, the, the, the code and number is E-3083, uh, which we requested, uh, we requested uh, the parliament to vote for it, to send the case uh, for investigation to the UN Security Council. Well, we'll make sure that information gets out. It is on change.org, Justice Rally, Justice for PS752 Mass Murder, if you want to um, lend your support. And certainly this is not an issue that will go forgotten. Shaheen, I always appreciate your time speaking on this. I know it's always very difficult, but you're very generous, so I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Alex. Thank you. All righty. If you can help, please don't let this one go because it's just not okay to turn away from this. Again, that is Shaheen Mogadam, uh, who is joining me tonight. This is Global News Radio. Michael Kovrig could actually be on trial as we speak in China in a proceeding that will last one day. It will be completely behind closed doors. Michael Spavor will be tried on Monday, and neither man are going to get any consular support no foreign observance, and they're not even going to be told what evidence China has to support these trumped-up spy charges. It's pretty incredible what China is doing to these men uh, who have been locked up and isolated for 830 days. It is simply outrageous. And they're not getting the basics, which is disgusting. And they will both be found guilty because that's how they roll in China. And unless the Biden administration has struck some kind of deal for Meng Wanzhou or something in the talks that they held with China today, the chances of these men coming home is fading. And a lot of people argue, you know, what can we do? I mean, what do you expect us to do? Well, you know what? We can actually do a lot. 
and we can do Magnitsky sanctions. We can cancel and certainly should cancel uh, Huawei, but also the Chinese Infrastructure Bank. These are things we can do, but let's uh, flesh it out. Marcus Kolga joining us, senior fellow at the McDonald Laurier Institute, also an expert in China and Russian issues. So what would you do, Marcus? Well, there's a lot that we can do, and you and I have talked about this uh, now for, unfortunately, you know, two years, I think, about the things that we can specifically do. And uh, as you mentioned, you know, I think even just threatening Magnitsky sanctions on uh, top Chinese officials, um, you know, a lot of these uh, uh, Communist Party officials, they're, you know, um, they're ultra-corrupt, uh, let's just put it that way, um, and they don't like keeping their money in China. Um, it's entirely likely that there's a lot of this money sloshing around in, in Canada. And, um, you know, when you threaten these uh, officials uh, with uh, handcuffing them financially, you know, freezing their assets in this country, uh, barring their entry into this country, mm-hmm. um, you see their behavior change. We've seen it in Russia. We just haven't done this uh, with China. I mean, it's time to take the gloves off. This is We need to hit them where it hurts. And when you hit them in these officials in their own pocketbooks, barring them and their families from coming to this country, um, you bet you'll see them start jumping. And this is something that we need to start considering. And and it's been five years of appeasement, which is the approach the Trudeau government chose to take, and it hasn't worked. Clearly, it hasn't worked, and China just continually escalates um, its action against us, and they've been using the Michaels as pawns in a very, very cruel game. No question they'll be found guilty, but then you read, you know, and you get this, this news uh, that they're not even going to get the basics of a diplomat uh, by no. their side. Nothing is, is just simply, it's not, it's just outrageous. Well, there's, I mean, there have been uh, reports that they've been uh, tortured, you know, uh, mm-hmm. being kept in cells with the lights on uh, 24-7. Um, so they're, they're not just, I mean, the consular access, they're not getting that. They're being tortured. They're not able to speak to their families. Um, the fact that Canada is being barred completely from these trials, um, right. you know, this it's, it's insane. Um, we need to, and we also know that the, uh, the outcome of this trial is predetermined. There's not going to be any surprise. They're going to be found guilty, not on trumped up yeah. charges, but completely fabricated charges. And there's one right. guy that we need to start holding responsible for this, and that's Xi Jinping. That's the president yeah. of China. He makes the decision. There's no question who's, you know, what, are, what about these judges? I mean, these judges are simply uh, puppets of the regime. Um, right. So we know who we need to target. It's Xi Jinping. It is the people directly under him. Um, and like I said, we need to start looking at sanctions. We need to start freezing assets. Um, you know, there was a great proposal that was put forth by Alan Rock and, and uh, Lloyd Axworthy uh, about a year, year and yeah. a half ago that suggested that, you know, frozen assets of people like Xi Jinping and his officials, that they should be repurposed for um, helping out the victims of human rights abuses. Maybe that's some sort of, that's legislation that we should immediately start looking at uh, with regards to, uh, you know, any assets that are frozen on, on the Chinese side. And we should also start looking at the role of, of Huawei and uh, making sure that they're barred completely from this country, including uh, taking a look at, at their assets and uh, uh, their, what they're doing financially in this country. Yeah, I mean, the the Prime Minister will be asked about this uh, tomorrow. We could be waking up to news that Michael Kovrig has been found guilty. Um, and and we know that, that the Biden administration has held its first meetings with, um, with China in Alaska uh, earlier this afternoon. I don't know what we'll learn from that. They were going to bring up uh, and put pressure, um, you know, demanding that China 
you know, stop using the, these campaigns. But there's only so much America can and will do because they've got their own interests at the end of the day. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, I think that this is the sort of the Hail Mary is the hope that uh, Joe Biden is able to, um, you know, dip, somehow diplomatically get secure the release of, of the two Michaels. Perhaps the, the, the something will happen with the charges against uh, Mung, but it's it's highly unlikely that uh, that we'll see any of that uh, at, at this point. You know, the, the only way, you know, you mentioned that, you know, China is just going to continue behaving in this way. The only way that we're going to stop this sort of behavior is by introducing some sort of cost. Um, right. And that's the case with all of these sorts of regimes, you know, Iran, Russia included. You know, if mm-hmm. you don't impose any sort of costs on their bad behavior, they're just going to keep doing it. They're the they're the schoolyard bullies that beat sure. up the guys that for for their lunches. That's what they do unless you stand up. And we haven't done that yet. So there's obviously there's no reason why uh, why China would release the Michaels. We've not given them a compelling reason to do so. And if we don't if we don't do that, if we don't impose a cost, they're just they're going to continue doing this. There will be other but, Canadians that will be yeah. arrested in the same way with false charges and others from, you know, from our allied countries until we work together to say no to this. Right. But but, you know, I think the, the Trudeau government has been thinking, you know, we don't want to rock the boat because we, we worry about the Michael's safety. I mean, once they're convicted, there is a very I mean, it's harder and almost, I think, impossible that they will come home. Um, but but should there not be um, a directive to all Canadians to get out of China if they and when they convict these men? I mean, it should be a no brainer. Ban Huawei, uh, boycott the Olympics. I mean, tell Canadians, get out of that country because, I mean, they're at risk now. Yeah, I think all Canadians are at risk. And I've, I feel terrible for the hundreds of thousands of Canadians who are in Hong Kong. Um, yeah. All of them right now are at risk, and you're absolutely right. right. I mean, we should be warning uh, all Canadians to s- just simply stay away from China uh, because of that uh, because of that risk of uh, of arrest. You're absolutely right. And 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 the Michaels um, upon conviction is that the end? Uh, is there a way to negotiate them out because they will be given a life sentence, if not worse? Um, you know, h- how do you? <laughs> Once they, they, they've gone through that process, it's not like China's going to turn around and say, OK, here you go. Well, again, we have not given any reason for China to turn around or, or overturn that decision or not find them guilty. Um, let's not forget that Hussein Jalil, that's an Uyghur Canadian. Yes. He was arrested in 2006. He has been rotting in a Chinese prison. We don't even know where he is because we haven't been given any consular access to him in nearly a decade. Uh, his family hasn't been given, been in contact with him at all. Nowhere. They used to be in contact with some relatives who uh, were in Xinjiang, but they've since disappeared along with a million other Uyghurs. Um, so, you know, the fact that Jalil has been in prison this long doesn't bode well for the Michaels. Again, we, if we don't impose a cost for behaving in this way, there's no reason. There's no, there's no reason why China would not would, would release them. So I think, our, you know, our hopes now are resting on the Biden administration and the U.S. applying some pressure and standing up for the Michaels, because clearly uh, Canada hasn't done so yet. Um, and maybe we, we will do that. One other measure I just want to mention is the fact mm-hmm. that um, uh, Chinese, there are more Chinese diplomats, quote unquote diplomats. Yeah. I would venture to guess that <laughs> most of them are working for Chinese intelligence. 
uh, or the People's Liberation Army. Um, there are far more of, of Chinese diplomats in this country than even Americans. And Americans are by far our largest trading partner. We, start, we need to start kicking out uh, some some of these uh, Chinese diplomats, give, um, declaring them as persona non grata as, as one consequence uh, for this sort of behavior. And, and we haven't gone there yet. So that's, that's another thing that we can start doing. Not only have we not gone there, we've allowed them to bully and threaten us openly, um, you know, over the last few months. It's absolutely ridiculous, but I totally agree with you. Well, we'll see what happens in the next day or so, but uh, certainly a very tense. And I feel so, so, so terribly for these boy, these men and their families. So it's just a travesty all the way around. Marcus, I appreciate your time on this. Anytime, Alex. Thanks for having me on. Marcus Kolga uh, joining us now. So we'll watch the uh, headlines over the next uh, you know, 24 hours because uh, it will be very telling. We'll see what the Prime Minister also says about this tomorrow, if he can say anything. Stay with us here. Alex Pearson on point, and this is Global News Radio. All right, so we've got vaccines trickling in, I think slower than a lot of people hope for, but um, that is what happens when we have to rely on others for something that we could and should have been able to produce here. And now in the last day or so, we've heard about a Quebec pharmaceutical company, Medicago, that's got a homegrown solution. It's ready to start phase three clinical trials. And this is a vaccine that uses a technology that transfers a genetic code to a plant, which is a member of the tobacco family. The plant then produces the antigen and then it spurs on the immune response as if it was its own. Challenge is, how long will it take to get to market? And who's going to offer themselves up to be a guinea pig if we've already got vaccines available? Natalie Landry is the executive vice president of Medicago. She joins us now. Good to have you. Hi, how are you? Well, you know, I think a lot of Canadians have been scratching their heads saying, boy, why can't we do what the United States, what India, what European countries are doing all over the world right now, which is producing our own vaccines? And I think the the quick answer to that is because we didn't invest heavily enough in the beginning to do so. But now along you guys come. Um, but how how fast can you get this to market if you've still got another trial to do? Well, we're doing as fast as we can. And if you look at the the, the technologies that are uh, producing recombinant proteins, uh, we're going at the same speed than everybody else. So uh, you have Novavax that is a bit ahead of us, and you have uh, Sanofi with lagging uh, behind us. So uh, we we have this phase three that is ongoing. It is according to our expectation. Uh, efficacy should be demonstrated around uh, June timeframe, after which we will submit our dosage to regulators. So we're confident that the vaccine will be made available around September. So $173 million was invested by the government, but did it take uh, a lot of, of pushing to get that funding? Because what it seems like from the outside looking into this industry is that the Trudeau government didn't really want to invest in Canadian-made solutions. And Canadian companies said, look, we can make the solution, but you've got to invest. Was that your experience? Well, it's it's a, a negotiation. And of course, there's a certain money uh, that is available. And, and therefore, we're lucky to have this support because it was pivotal in our ability to develop the vaccine and to engage into a uh, major clinical development. So uh, not getting into the details, uh, running global studies uh, for COVID-19 vaccine uh, cost a lot. So uh, I think there was a willingness uh, to, to, to invest. Uh, of course, there were uh, some negotiation uh, that were ongoing. Uh, finally, we, we, we got it, and it makes a, a huge difference for us. 
Yeah, it would have made a huge difference, I think, if they had put the money in, you know, months and months ago, um, you know, to try to get this going, and we wouldn't be reliant on others. Um, you don't have the data, though, yet to show the efficacy, or do you have any kind of early, early readings yet? So what we have published and uh, that can be found uh, quite easily is the nature of the or the level of neutralizing antibody responses and used by the vaccine. And uh, we compare that to those uh, subjects that have been infected. And, and what we can see is that the vaccine that is uh, evaluated in phase three and used very high level of uh, antibody responses as res uh, specific to the virus at least comparable to uh, those who have completed all clinical development. So um, uh, again, uh, we need to demonstrate that the vaccine is safe and effective, uh, we're getting there, but based on the immune response, uh, we're confident that uh, we will have this uh, demonstration in a couple of weeks. So the big challenge then for you guys is getting people to put out their arm and become part of this third clinical trial. And the challenge being we've got vaccines coming in now and people want the vaccine. And if they take part in the trial, they wouldn't be able to get the vaccine. So how, how challenging is it going for you, uh, you know, going to be for you guys to get this trial done? It, it is certainly uh, challenging. And we're conducting the, the trial in 11 countries. So the thing uh, to be known is that uh, any subject that is interested and enrolled in our uh, study will receive two doses 21 days apart of the vaccine. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, once we'll have uh, demonstrated uh, efficacy, uh, we will offer the placebo recipient uh, the vaccine as well. So everybody is guaranteed two doses of the vaccine. So, and, and again, this is... Uh, uh, a complex uh, logistic, uh, but we're confident that uh, we will get there um, uh, in a relative uh, short period of time. And I think some people will say, well, why now? Isn't it too little too late? If we've already got vaccines now coming in, um, they would have loved a Canadian solution out of the gate, but will there be a need for it? Well, I think if we look uh, across the border, the uh, U.S., uh, uh, of course, there's a massive vaccination going there. U.K. is doing well. Israel, everybody knows that uh, we're able to vaccinate their population. In Canada, um, it, it, it's progressing, um, and it's progressing for a first dose. So I think there's still a need for vaccine doses. And there's many countries that uh, don't have uh, appropriate supplies. So I think we need uh, many vaccine uh, doses available. The other thing that is still unknown is duration of protection and which vaccine will work the best in, in the elderly, for example, in the pediatric population eventually. So we need mm -hmm. many vaccines to reach the final line of approval. Right. Yeah. And and if this becomes like a yearly thing, um, it's better to rely on our own than, than farming it out. Uh, exactly. And in that regard, um, we are aware that there are um, variants of concern uh, emerging. So uh, we're, we're preparing for that as well in case there's, there's going to be a need for a booster dose. So uh, we're, we're currently evaluating uh, the feasibility of producing a, a South African variant if eventually we need to uh, provide a, an additional dose to the population uh, later this year or next year. Wish you the best of luck. I wish the uh, government had invested um, earlier in homegrown solutions, but nonetheless, um, at least we'll have it moving forward and we'll see what the results bring us. Natalie, thank you and good luck. <laughs> thank you very much.
That is Natalie Landry joining us, and the uh, company is Medicago, and we'll see what their uh, homegrown solution is. If you want to stick out your arm and put in the needle, there you go. They need the uh, research capability. Stay with us, Alex Pearson, on point. This is Global News Radio. You can join us, of course, Monday through Friday, starting 6.30 sharp here. I'm Alex Pearson on point, and this is Global News Radio.